Hello and welcome to the third episode of Saying As It Is. I am here joined today with my third guest for Disability History Month and International Persons of Disabilities Day, Dr. Amal Raju OBE. Uh, Amal, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, so uh, yes, uh, Amal Raju, short for Amajit, um, but the vast majority of people have shortened my name to Amo and that's kind of stuck with me. Um, I'm a uh, disabled person of uh, Indian Punjabi origin. Um, for the last, well, almost 30 years, I've been running a very um, successful disability charity in the Midlands called Disability Direct. And um, vast array of projects offered to the public of local, national and, and some international significance. Um, and I'm considered a little bit of an entrepreneur because the charity I run is is pretty much self-sufficient uh, in terms of raising its own income. Um, and I am also an ex-politician for my sins. I um, an ex-Bangra singer um, in a previous life. I was a, a semi-successful Bangra singer, which was a, a, an interesting story in itself, being a disabled person in the 80s and 90s uh, in a non-disabled Bangra world. <laughs> and then I'm most recently well-known for having published a book based on my life story, which people said was quite fascinating. So during lockdown um, with um, uh, with Manny Hare, both of us uh, wrote my story uh, and uh, it's become quite a success. Um, and, and most recently I've uh, become a DL, which is a deputy to the Lieutenant of uh, Derbyshire, uh, who is the representative of His Majesty the King. So I um, get asked to do things uh, on behalf of the Lord Lieutenant. Uh, so I'm reading quite an interesting life at the moment and, and loving every minute of it. Wow, that's a lot. Thank you. <laughs> That was more than I was expecting, to be honest. Yeah, well, you can get it's my favourite subject. Get me talking about myself. I can do it for for, for a very long time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the same, but I do sometimes worry about uh, boring people. <laughs> so, but no, your your story is really fascinating. So, thank you again for joining me today. So, I just want to talk briefly about Disability History Month and International Persons of Disabilities Day and what that means to you. I have mixed views on it. Um, and bear in mind, you know, days like International Days of, of Disabled People, and uh, I've been in, I've been trying to raise awareness of disability issues for thirty years non-stop, not just on one day in a year or one month throughout. Mm -hmm. yeah. I think it's important that the wider world gets to know that. This day exists and it's a day to celebrate the achievements. And that's the important thing for me. If if we are going to invest our time and energy in, in talking about disability history and, uh, and, and International Day of Disabled People, then I really want to talk about achievements and celebrations uh, yeah. uh, and, and really kind of highlight what can be achieved um, because the vast majority of the time, if you if you switch on the news channels, regardless of which one ever you watch, but it, when it comes to disabled people stories, uh, it's normally negative of what's happening to disabled people. Uh, and my my purpose in life now is about what are disabled people doing to the mainstream community now? What are they doing to to raise awareness, rather than vice versa? So uh, I think it's important that these days and months uh, exist or are, and, and are celebrated, but as long as they're done in the right way. I get asked too many times um, to by, by people who are, 
they mean well by, by um, particularly journalists uh, if they want to get a news story off the ground or something and say, well, can you can you get hold of another disabled person and, and show us how life is bad for them? And I say, well, okay, that's I see what you're trying to do, but how about showing what can be achieved as well? Um, because it it's it's I think the world wants to see role models. They want to see disabled people doing stuff so that the next generation of disabled children have got someone to look up to. And I've always said, I as a disabled person, a child growing up, I had no one to look on on TV or in in my wider social circles or, or anywhere that you know disabled people looked like me doing stuff. You didn't see many people around in those days, particularly of disabled people of of South Asian origin. Mm. And, and for me now, what I really want to do is get, uh, and it's really good because you can just look on social media and you can look on, um, on, on, on the internet in general and you'll see disabled people doing great stuff. Um, and shouting from the rooftops about what, 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 how they are living their life. But the silent majority, of the vast majority of disabled people, they still need um, uh, some recognition uh, uh, and, and some. They need a boost uh, to see to see other people doing that. Uh, and it needs to happen in mainstream media. So the mainstream media really needs to kind of grip, take a grip of, of International Day of Disabled People and spread it 365 days a year rather than just on that one day. Yes, definitely. I, I totally agree with you there. Um, I... Yeah, and, and we, you, you've also got these other, other, other kind of uh, months, you know, like you have... Uh, Black History Month, you have South Asian yeah. Heritage Month, and, and and again I see what 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 being what's going on, but those communities um, have problems in terms of uh, getting their message across throughout the year, not just on that particular month. And sometimes I find it a little patronising when other organisations say, "Well, we're celebrating this month and we're really doing something about." raising awareness in our organization for this month. But then the remaining 11 months, they go back to being ignorant again. And that's where I think there's some work needs to be done in, uh, in the wider, in a wider conversation rather than just on one month a year. And it's great that they, these, I'm not knocking the fact that these months uh, are celebrated. What I'm saying is that the, it needs to be expanded throughout the year. We shouldn't need to have, Black History Months and South Asian Months, what we need to have is a, a real um, socially integrated society celebrating each other, you know, 24-7, 365 a, a year. You know, that's, that's just my view. <laughs> no, it's a really great view, to be honest. I totally agree with you there. Um, so let me just talk about, as you said, we, well, yourself is from the South Asian community and I myself um so from some research I did on microlink pc back in 2021 there were 1 million south asian disabled people out of what i found out 16 million disabled people in the uk we've come a long way with acceptance but what was your what was the disability perception and some of the challenges and barriers you faced from childhood to adulthood, and how does it compare to today? Well, you know the the the, the interesting thing. Well, you know the, the book in, in the background that is visible here is the Walk Like a Man, based on my life story, was written mm-hmm. about mainly about my relationship with two things: one being the community around me. Uh, and predominantly growing up in a South Asian community, they were my initial mm-hmm. community that I interacted with. Secondary was the wider world. Yeah. And the other thing was the relationship with depression. Now, a lot of my depression that I had, the mental health challenges that I had, were caused by society, were caused by the ignorance of 
often my own community. Um, and so the, the interesting thing is when this book came out uh, a couple of years ago, the, the readership, because uh, I'm, I'm a little bit of a geek when it comes to analyzing who's reading my book. Um, and I kind of started looking into the readership and demographics of the readership. And the, and the vast majority of the readers were uh, were female, but mm-hmm. they had an interest in disability because either they were disabled themselves or they had a loved one who was disabled. Right. Uh, also, there was a, a strong readership from the South Asian community. And up until today, up until even last night, I received at least one or two emails or messages um, through WhatsApp or, 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 or other avenues of social media of people saying to me, I've read your book, and what you went through in the 70s, 80s, and 90s, we're going through today. Uh, our generation, which is a younger generation, is going through today. And that really worried me because society as a whole in this country, disabled people, have progressed. Society has progressed as legislation come out. It's not fantastic legislation, but legislation has um, been passed and the wider community is a lot more aware, as we just talked about earlier in stuff like Disability Pride Month, Disability Heritage Month, etc., History Month. But when it comes to the South Asian community, we are stuck in a rut. We're stuck in this medieval mindset that, um, you know, disabled people are not expected to achieve uh, and they should therefore be pigeonholed into certain um, kind of um, a certain existence and that really kind of depressed me really concerned me that younger people today are still feeling the pressures not from their immediate parents or family it's normally the family being affected by what others will say what others will think if um, their child, the ones to do like what I did. When I became a singer, you know, the wider public loved the fact that this guy was on stage singing, but the, the immediate people around me in the South Asian community were looking at me like, what? Why do you want to do that? That You shouldn't be doing that. Disabled people don't do that. It's not good for your health. You know, it, and that that was the men- mentality back in in those days, and so it, it, it as a community, as a South Asian community, there's a we it, we haven't progressed to that extent. You know, it's people are still very um, fixated with the the cure. We need to cure this person. I can still go back to India today, and. The, the backward people, some of the backward people over there will still say, let's go and take him to this holy priest over there. He'll fix him. He'll cure him. That's, and I, I'm not interested in any of that. I never have been. And, you know, even as a child, my parents were, were almost pulled into that direction by the wider community saying, take him over there, take him over there. He'll do, there's a Baba sitting over there. He'll fix him. He'll do, there's all that kind of stuff going on. And it still exists today. You know, these charlatans still exist today who want to rinse families of their, their, their money to try and cure their disabled child from the South Asian community. Um, and that tells you where we are as a South Asian community when it comes to disability. And as I said, the wider community, the non, non-South uh, Asian community, have moved on a little bit. They are more about rights and opportunities. And, and, and our community is still... F- fixated on curing the problem, what they could consider as a problem, instead of saying, well, okay, this imp- this impairment exists. What can we do in- to improve the-, the chances of this child to, to make sure he or she has-, has got every opportunity when they're growing up? And, and you know, let's let's do whatever we can to, to give them all the confidence mm-hmm. to take on the world once they're, they're, they're you know, they're, no longer in our care. Thank you. That was really fascinating. 
So, I, mean, I think the issue is, Gina. We we, we um, the, 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 there is there's, there's discrimination within communities. Every community mm-hmm. has their own story uh, about what you know, what, what how how they are affected. Um, and, and for me, as I said earlier on, it's about role models. My I, my mission in life. I'm getting older now. I'm in my fifties. And and I I just want to spend the rest of my working career now to try and inspire the next generation in terms of services for disabled people as a whole. The organisation that I run will continue to deliver them. But my mission in life now is to inspire the next generation of disabled youngsters and say, if he can do it, then I've got every chance. And if he's got no um, fixation about the limitations that society has put on him, then I need to have that kind of attitude as well. And believe me, it's not been easy. Uh, I've had challenge after challenge. I've had discrimination, prejudice and harassment on every level. Um, And and even to this day, I can, I will, you know, it doesn't stop just because I'm an adult and I've got these wonderful titles of doctorates and OBEs and, and DLs after my name now. It, it still exists. Wherever I go, people will have uh, a, a view of what he can be can achieve, rather than actually sitting down talking and saying this guy can, is, is is a force to be reckoned with. Um, and once they get to know me, they want to say, "Oh, well, can you work with us? Can you do this?" It's just this 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 initial ignorance and prejudice that needs to be overcome. Thank you. Um. So now I want to talk to you about a term that's often used um, within the non-disabled community to disabled people, and that term is inspirational. I want to yeah. talk to you about the, about the word because what I've found is many people have described to me, like when I'm doing everyday activities or basically just to survive, that I'm inspirational. Um, Just to give you an example, you may, may not know, a couple of years ago I ran a social media campaign called Hashtag CP Everyday Life. And that campaign was based on myself having cerebral palsy, and I know you've got the condition too, and getting people to do the, to get people to do everyday activities with just one hand. I remember seeing a comment where someone said that I was inspirational for doing such a campaign. So my question to you is, what are your views on this? Yeah, uh, I think you, you, you've hit on something there. You know, people like you and I, and there's, there's, there's hundreds of thousands of us out there, we're just living our life. <laughs> we're just carrying on doing what we need to do. And because we're doing it in a maybe in a slightly different way or at a slower pace or in a, um, a, 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 a what the mainstream society would see as an awkward way, you know, we it attracts attention, um, and and that's fine. But the word inspirational comes into play if it is actually inspiring other disabled people. And it's inspiring other non-disabled people to think differently about how their view is on, on, on disabled people and disability or cerebral palsy or whatever the, the message is that's being um, uh, portrayed. And there's a fine line with, between people saying you're inspirational and brave. Mm. I hate it. I hate the term brave. Mm. I've had it, and I don't know if you have, but many disabled people have had it said, oh, isn't he brave? Isn't she brave for doing that? We're not brave. We're just doing what we need to do. Um, yes. And because we're doing it and it's attracting attention, uh, it's you, you know, you consider it brave, but it isn't brave. It's, you know, as I said, when I um, – when I became uh, a singer, a number of people said, who had negative opinions about it, but an equal number of people said, isn't he brave for doing that? Now, I always used to have to scratch my head and think, what do they mean? Am I brave because I've overcome the fear of going on stage? 
or is it is it because they think what the hell is he doing as a disabled person on there? Wow, you know, I'm I'm not, you know, skydiving or or, or abseiling or anything. That's, mm. For me, that's bravery. <laughs> uh, what I'm doing is just something that anybody else wants to do. Um, so it's just we're so busy living our life and it tr- attracting attention because we're doing things in, in a, a different way. You know, I walk down the street and I immediately eyes turn, not because I'm a George Clooney lookalike. It's because my walk is different. People, people look at me and say, well, he's walking different. Um, and there's two, there's two things there. You know, what I've also found and back to the South Asian community is when I can walk past a group of white people and they won't bat an eyelid, they'll look and they'll look the other way. I can walk past a, a group of South Asian community and they will stare like I'm something from another planet. Uh, and they will make it very clear that they are staring at you and they have no fear in, in making eye contact with you and make trying to almost make you feel uncomfortable as to what are you doing out in the community? Should you be locked away? Uh, and... And that, uh, to me, is, um, for me, bravery is, is locking eyes with them and, and saying, I'm here, let's talk, what's, what's the issue? Um, and I have no problem with talking to, to youngsters, disabled uh, people, talking to um, kids, because kids are innocent and they ask innocent questions. Yes. You know, why you walk like that? What, what's wrong with you? <laughs> and that, to me, that's great to a, a way of opening a conversation and, after about five seconds of me explaining, they're bored and they've moved on. <laughs> but you, 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 they've, they've, they've learned something new. Um, and but with 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 adults, it's a different ball game. And their their idea of be brave, being brave and, and inspirational, is is different. And I think, as I say, there's a fine line between the two uh, for some people. Um, but to, to to inspire. In, not just disabled people, to inspire anybody is um, yeah. important. I I, uh, I also run my own business where I mentor a number of next generation leaders. Um, okay. And the, the, the interesting thing with them is when I ask them, I say, the first initial meeting I have with them, I say, why do you want me to mentor you? And it's not normally because I'm a disabled person. It's because they say you're a great leader. We want to learn your mm-hmm. leadership style, and yeah. uh, and you we we're inspired by your leadership technique. Uh, and that to me is that is is a, a really kind of fascinating uh, uh, experience for me because normally when it comes to inspiration and myself, it's normally about my disability and what I can achieve rather than me as a non you know just a normal person talking to another a, a ceo talking to the wide community wider community about um, running a, a project or running an organization or a company or a set of services and people if people are inspired by uh, how i've done that rather than how i've done that as a disabled person that to me is equally fascinating so so yeah, I think you know, inspiration has a role to play in, uh, in terms of uh, getting people kind of geared up for uh, for taking part in in, in in society. But it's it, it again, there's there's fine lines between inspiration and anything uh, any any negative connection towards it. Thank you. So um, my next question is. Many of the non-disabled community get nervous talking to people with disabilities because they don't know what to say or sometimes what they perceive as a stupid question. Why do you think this is and what advice would you give? I, I think we might have just touched on that a little bit, but the, the it's often a fear. It's, it's often a fear of seeming to be offensed, uh, offensive. Um, and, and, and let's be honest with you, not all disabled people are comfortable in talking about their, their daily struggles. So it's, um, it's important that 
if if a non-disabled person wants to talk to a disabled person, they they find the right vibe. Uh, there's got to be the right um, vibe when they're when they're having that conversation, or you know, and and if if you can sense that that person isn't isn't going to open up, and and you know, it, it, it's rather than saying the language is quite important as well. It's rather than saying what what's wrong with you, <laughs> or it's more important to to ask. You know how does how does being a disabled person affect you personally? That's probably an easier way to start a conversation. And then whether the person uh, uh, discloses their actual impairment is is secondary to the conversation. I think what's more important is is what their views are on on as we've talked about earlier. You know, discrimination, harassment, prejudice, and ignorance. Those kind of things. What 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 those terms. Uh, how they affect them and what whether it's um causing them uh, further problems in you know in terms of accessing employment or or opportunities in in, in you know education or even to for afford relationships because that's a big thing about disabled people you know there's what i really like now is going out and seeing a group of people uh, of all, a group of people is normally quite diverse now. You don't normally get Mm -hmm. just a a group of white lads or or, or, or white girls going out uh, for a meal or or, or a night out. There's there's a lot of diversity when people are are out there mixing. Um, And that often only happens when the conversation has taken place between them and they've all got to know each other and they've all got to know each other's daily issues and struggles. And that's when they say, well, let's all get together and, 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 and enjoy life a little. And that, yeah. you know, it, having that conversation, it, it opens doors to, to, to much bigger things than just raising awareness. It actually improves people's lives. Um, and to me, I have never had a problem with talking about my disability. And one of the things I also always say to disabled people um, is you are only going to uh, feel comfortable talking about your disability or your impairment when you actually own it, when you, when you say the term that I use, that. Amaraju has cerebral palsy. Cerebral palsy doesn't have Amaraju. And when you own the impairment, you will start to control the narrative around you. When you control the narrative around you, that's the message that the outside world is getting about how positive you are going to be. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sounding, you know, quite positive there. Well, and believe me, there are days when I don't want to get out of bed where my depression has got uh, the better of me. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, that's human for any person, disabled or not disabled. You know, that's a, that's a feeling most people will have. So it's, but for me to be able to talk about uh, disability, I need to own it. And it's not a me of fully understanding the medical uh, limitations of, of cerebral palsy. I know how cerebral palsy affects me. As you will know, Gina, CP is, is is individual. No two people with CP are the same, yes. uh, and and that's with most impairments. So it's it's not about understanding the the medical impairment itself. It's about uh, owning the conversation, owning the narrative, controlling it, and saying this is me. This is how it affects me, and this is what I'm doing about it. Uh, let's move on. Let's talk about EastEnders. Is that it's. It's controlling the conversation to say, you know, yeah, that's part of me. You know, no, no two people are, are the same, disabled or not, and everyone's got uh, something that that limits them. Your mental health is on the rise in in the world uh, as a whole, so everyone's got something that's affecting them. 
uh, and even if they're not, everyone's got some kind of problems in their life which are shaping how they are living at that moment in time. Uh, so we are, we're all controlled by something, whether it's a disability or not. Uh, you know, and we haven't got to that stage where there is a superhuman being. You know, the Superman or Superwoman doesn't exist. Uh, and so, to me, everyone is um, has has some kind of uh, restriction, limitation, yes. uh, impairment, or not non-impairment. There's, there's something that defines us as to what's what's going on in our life at that time. Definitely. Um, so, prior to our interview, I conducted my research on you, and I noticed a few projects and interviews you've done, including, as you've already mentioned, being CEO of Disability Direct, strangely appearing on the TEDx stage, which is something that I did a couple of years ago. So I can imagine the hard work that went into that. And as you've already said, writing your own book. And then there was appearing on national media, raising awareness. So, sorry for this, but how do you find the time to do all this? And what makes you want to pursue these projects and interviews? Finding the time is an interesting one. Um, I'm at a stage in my career now where my board of directors and trustees of uh, the, the they're, they're fantastic. They're, they're very progressive in their thinking in that they have literally said to me, you have done what you could at a local level for disabled people. You know, let, this, let the directors that you employ now take over that conversation. What we want you to do now is go outward facing and, and spread your message to the wider world. And so I'm, yes, you're right. I'm, I'm doing, I've done stuff like TEDx's and I do I spend a lot of time now doing keynote speeches um, and TV interviews and uh, and podcasts uh, 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 such as this. Um, and the time is for me is not a problem. I I can't switch off. I really can't switch off, and my family would love it if I did. Um, but I I have this flame that burns very brightly inside me that this continually gets frustrated when I see the news or when I read something on, online or when um, I hear about a, um, a problem that other people have got. And there's something inside me that says, I need to do something about that. And often the, the, the only thing I can do, I said, I can't go and check, take on every problem around me. What I can do. Mm-hmm. It's raise awareness and use my um, new newfound status that I have to to spread the word on behalf on behalf of the people that I've I've tried to support and represent over these these years. So uh, for me, that's my latest mission, and uh, I, I all I'm really interested in is. You know, if somebody says to me, "Come on a Sunday afternoon to do to do a speech somewhere," I I don't say, "Oh gosh, no, Sunday's my day of rest, and I'm going to do that." Um, my wife is very supportive. She's actually said, "Right, I'm coming with you." <laughs> so we, we it becomes a joint kind of thing, and she's realised this is his mission in life. Um, and um, it took some doing because for the first you know, couple of decades, she was just scratching her head, saying, "What is he doing? What what?" When's he going to rest? Uh, you know, I, and don't get me wrong. I do like to have weekend breaks and, and short yeah. you know, short breaks like anybody else does. But yes. my mission is 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 about I cannot see injustice anywhere. You know, I, I went to India last year. Sorry, not last year. It was this year. Um, and uh, I went back to my to the village where my my parents. My grand, my granddad and my dad were, you know, they, where they came from, and something was in, went in my head, and I said, had my granddad not made that journey in 1963 to the UK, then my dad wouldn't have come over, and I probably would have been born as a disabled child in India, 
And I know for a fact that my life would have been very different, very, very different. Mm -hmm. um, and I looked around and I saw, I thought, where are the disabled people in the villages around my village that I originate from? I couldn't see any. So I asked my cousin who lives there, I said, I, I need, where are the disabled people? He goes, they're pretty much locked in homes. They haven't got any method of transport, you know, of getting out of the fact. And, and so, you know, I, I, I launched an online campaign for, for a few weeks and I, and I managed to raise about £3,000. With £3,000, I, I, I was able to purchase about 15 wheelchairs and handbikes uh, for okay. disabled people, and then there was a lot of them that were just living in abs. It was it was disgusting poverty. It was it was heartbreaking poverty that we're living in. Um, and so he arranged a day where he got all these a number of families together, um, and I, I gave these wheelchairs out to, to to people, and it attracted media attention. Um, and you know this the the this. The really sad thing on on that particular day, uh, we, we there was one wheelchair still sitting there at the end of the day, uh, to, towards the end of the ceremony, and I and I said to my cousin, "Where is that person?" And he said, "She died this morning. Uh, she was a, a young disabled girl who died because um, her father couldn't afford her medical bills." And he and, and I said, "That's so sad. That is just so sad." And he he went one step further. He said, he goes, the girls died and the father cannot cannot afford to cremate her because even to to buy the wood for the fire was going to cost a few thousand rupees. So I uh, we had some money left over and I said, right, give this call that father. I know his daughter just died, but he needs to cremate his daughter. So we we gave some we gave some cash to that father and he was crying his eyes out. You know, and I thought to myself, who would have paid for this child's funeral? There's no system in place there. Um, and so anyway, my, back to your question, my, the, having the time, my, the, my mission in life now is I've, uh, I've, I've launched another campaign and we, we're, my target now is 5,000 to do the same thing, to go back and, and we're, we're, we're going to start targeting three com countries. We're going to look at India, Pakistan and Bangladesh. Um, and, and one could argue that India is now almost a world superpower in terms of its rising economy. That may be the case, but when it comes to disabled people and poverty, it's it's very third world, very very third world. So you know, there's uh, 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 that's why I've, I'm sticking with India. But I've also felt that the, the neighbouring countries of Pakistan and Bangladesh need a bit uh, of support too. So I'm not going to say I'm going to save the day there. But again, just by me doing something, using my 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 platform, my my elevated platform, to 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 highlight that some work needs to happen over in those countries as well, uh, is is that's important for me. And so, I, as I said earlier, I can't switch off. When I see something that annoys me, I I feel the need to do something about it. Um, and I've actually just instructed. Um, a couple of my directors to, to join up with me and, and uh, we've created a new charitable uh, international company to to raise funds and, and give to those three countries. So that's going to be the next mission. But I'm going to take a back seat in that because uh, I'll probably get frustrated with something else and, and, and put some attention that to that direction as well. Um, but finding the time, you know, you make time. If, you, if everybody goes, has the attitude of, well, I'm too busy to do this. I've got my own mortgages and, and, and stuff to pay. Yes, we are all living in hard times, but there are people living in much harder times who we can't see. And it's always about those two words that I keep referring to, the silent majority. The silent majority are the ones who are suffering and people need to be able to talk to them and talk on their behalf and support them and, and do whatever we can to, to ease some of their pain and suffering. Wow, thank you so much. Um, so now I want to talk about um, some recognition you've been getting for your work. As I've already said earlier, you've become an OBE in the King's Birthday Honours. 
But I've also noticed your list as one the 100 influential disabled people on the Shore Trust Disability Power List. And earlier this year, you won the Lifetime Achievement Award at the National Diversity Awards. So what does it mean to get all this positive recognition? And sorry again to put you on the spot, but if you could choose one that you are most proud of and why? Oh, gosh, that's the hardest one. Yeah, it's nice. I've been working. I started working at Disability Direct in 1994. A lot of my staff weren't even born when I started there, and I'm still there. And the issue is, as we said earlier, we're so busy doing what we're doing, we don't stop to look at ourselves uh, as to what are we doing. But the last two years, particularly, um, the last well, the last 18 months certainly has been incredible, and I think. Uh, again, the the publishing of the book had a lot to do with it because the book elevated my story. And when the story got read by a larger audience of people who didn't know me, that's mm-hmm. when suddenly I got started getting recognition. And it, and it really started in, in February uh, last year, February 2022. I was nominated at the British Sikh Awards for mm-hmm. Outstanding Third Sector Achievement. And I thought, okay, yeah, okay, I'll bet. I, I, you know, I, 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 what is it about me that's going to win? But my wife said, oh, come on, we'll go. It's a night out. It's nothing else. And we, won, and we went and I won. I won at the event and I was shocked. Um, and within three months, I was awarded a doctorate for my services to disabled people. And again, I was I was gobsmacked that um, people were paying attention. And, and then uh, in July, I, uh, well, actually in April earlier this year, I received an email from the... Uh, sorry, a letter from the Cabinet Office, the Prime Minister's Office, to say you are going to be awarded an OBE for your services to disabled people, carers and mental health. And I, I didn't believe it, so I, I sat on it for a couple of hours and I thought, this is a hoax. Somebody's suddenly playing a joke on me. You know, why would I get an OBE? And then I thought, well, well and it asked me to respond. The letter asked me to respond. So I, I sent a, 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 I followed the, the, the link on the letter and I emailed them and said, uh, yes, I accept the award. And within seconds, I got an auto reply from the cabinet office and I thought, oh, bugger, this is real. <laughs> um, and then, uh, and even up until um, a week before it was announced in July, sorry, in June, I still thought this isn't real. And it's only when they, the cabinet office rang me and said, right, are you all set for the announcement uh, next week? And I thought, oh, gosh, right, okay, de- definitely. And then I, I started seeing press releases getting ready. Um, and and so, gosh, uh, you know, that was awarded. And then within a, a few weeks, I was asked by the Lord Lieutenant to become a DL. Um, and, you know, that's a massive um, kind of honour to be asked to represent the Lord Lieutenant and His Majesty the King at any event. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought, great. And then uh, within a few days, somebody nominated me to for the Lifetime Achiever Award at the ITV National Diversity Awards. And I thought, well, okay, this is interesting. Now I'm up against some real national players. Um, and, and, and again, uh, my wife said, come on, it'll be a night out. I've never been to the Liverpool Anglican uh, Cathedral, and it's, it's, it's quite a sight. So I went along with a few of my work colleagues and friends and family. And um, it, was a, it was the last award to be announced on the night. So, uh, you know, all the, the build-up was to, to this award. And 
I was sat there thinking, there's no chance. I looked at the people who I was up against, and they were some phenomenal people who did some outstanding things. And I thought, these guys, you know, deserve the award, not me. But anyway, as, as Claire Bolding, who we all know as a BBC um, presenter, when she started reading the the the, uh, the bios out, and, and she, I thought, hang on, that bio sounds familiar. Uh, 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 right, okay, it's, oh gosh, it's me. They're talking about me. And my legs turned to jelly. I froze. I thought, gosh, I've got to walk all the way to the stage. How am I going to do that? Because I, you know, when you're, you, 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 you when you when you start getting nervous and feel anxious, you, you, your body multiplies in weight ten times because <laughs> it, yes. it's just like, how am I going to walk that up to that to that um, to the front of the stage? My son literally had to help me onto the stage because I couldn't walk. I was in shock, uh, so much in shock. I hadn't prepared a speech, and it was a fantastic. Now you've asked me which one is the one that stands out most for me, or is my 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 favourite, or whatever. There was. I, I'm going to be honest with you, they all mean something special to me because, uh, uh, and yes, you've mentioned the power list as well. That was the most recent one that was announced of being in the top 10 in business and finance for the UK, which is really, again, something special. But to me, what what is more important is that a group of people who, who don't know me have sat in a room and judged nominations and votes uh, based on what's written on paper and probably they may have done some google searches and stuff mm-hmm. um, normally when somebody nominates you it's because they know you uh, and they, they may be slightly biased in why they're nominating you but when when judges who don't know you have have recognized that you need to win that award that is something special for me, and and all these accolades that I've achieved, they are to me that's really heartwarming and special. Um, it's something that my hopefully my great grandchildren and beyond will talk about. Uh, that you know, granddad existed and he did this, and hopefully it inspires them to to want to change the world to to a better place. Um, so. Yeah, they all mean they're all very special. I'm sorry if I've dodged the question slightly in terms of, of which one's my favourite. They all they are all special. Um, you could uh, your cameras off, but the, the the there's three of them are, are awards in the background, which I, I I like to show off because they are special to me. And there's a few more in the rest of the other side of the room, which I I look at every now and then, and it make they make me smile. When I'm having a bad day, they make me smile. And, and remind me of what I'm doing and what I'm why who I'm doing it for. It was worth the try, wasn't it? And <laughs> even I learned something new about all the other recon- recognitions you've got. So thank you. Um, so finally, what are three takeaways you'd like my listeners to take away from our interview today? Uh, well, there the pro- probably are a few of them. Let's say the first one for me, which I'd like to say to people is, um, no matter how young you are or, my, or matter how old you are, no matter what journey you've had in life, you've got a story. You've got a story to tell. And if you can't write a book or if you haven't got the ability or, or inspiration or the, the, the energy to write a book, just write some notes on a paper and leave them for somewhere for someone to read. Because your story will inspire. When you start jotting down what you've been through, regardless of whether you're disabled or not, mm-hmm. what you have been through as a human being, you will have had challenges, and the, and your story of how you overcame those challenges, uh, hopefully you did overcome those challenges, and the story of how you overcame those challenges will inspire others of, of how to... Um, uh, beat their own kind of uh, wrestle their own demons uh, and, and, and come out trumps in whatever is is bothering them. Uh, and so that's an important thing. That uh, the other thing is is about the, which we we kind of covered on is is to talk. Um, as your listeners will have sussed out by now, I can talk for England. <laughs> 
Um, but the reason I can talk for England is because I know my subject. My subject is me. My subject is the life I've lived. And mm -hmm. the more you talk about what is, is uh, on your mind, what is bothering you, you're almost in secret therapy with the outside world and you're, and you're, and you're offloading. But you are equally also giving other people a message about um, uh, what can be achieved. And the third thing I would say is, and this sounds very cliche, um, but to people who are going through whatever you're going through, do not give up. Whatever happens, do not give up. Um, keep fighting. And sometimes when you think there's no more fight left in you, you may it may be you may be fighting a, a, your, your you know the flame may be burning at a, a lower intensity but whatever it is keep the flame burning do not give up because at some stage what you're what's bothering you today isn't going to bother you tomorrow because you will have learned from it and you you'll you'll become an expert in that field you know the things that used to depress me in my twenties uh, and thirties and even forties, are now my experience, which I'll give on to others, uh, and my flame it just gets brighter um, uh, as I get as I get older and, and more grumpier. It, uh, it gives me the energy also to to use that grumpiness for the advantage of others. Uh, so. As I say, those are my three things that I can think of right now. There's probably, there's probably others, um, but um, as we speak, those are the three kind of messages that I'd like to leave to your listeners. Thank you, Emma. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's been an absolute honour speaking to you and learning more about you. I learned new things I didn't even know. <laughs> that was my problem. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm happy to come and talk to. To you again at a later date as well. <laughs> yes, I might just take you up on the offer. <laughs> no problem. No problem. But thank you. Um, thank you all. I will be back on the next episode. Mm -hmm.